This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Today on the Everything 80s podcast was my buddy the inspiration for Chucky and the Child's Play movies. My buddy, my buddy, my buddy. Hey guys, what's happening? Welcome back to the Everything 80s Podcast. I'm Jamie, and assuming you remember my buddy, you probably do because you clicked on this episode, and no doubt remember a pretty iconic commercial jingle from the 80s. So this episode will be looking back on the whole sort of phenomenon of a toy like my buddy and you know the original intentions behind its creation, and then, of course, how if or if it was not the inspiration behind Chucky in all the child's play movies so we'll get all to that in a sec if you haven't already make sure you subscribe wherever you find your podcasts i should be there okay let's get right into this okay in case this is a brand new thing to you my buddy was a a doll line made by hasbro in 1985 and kind of seen as controversial as marketing a doll specifically to boys was seen as a big risk but we'll get all into that in a minute I did a a show about my pet monster and that was kind of that same marketing approach where it was a plush doll specifically marketed towards boys. So every kid has a stuffed animal at some point, but boys tend to outgrow them, especially in the eighties when there was a huge offering of other amazing toys coming out. Obviously he man, GI Joe transformers, all that stuff, obviously usually more violence driven, but with my pet monster, the attempt was to crack back into that market by taking, you know, the normal stuffed animal concept and trying to toughen it by, in the case of my pet monster, they gave it fangs and, you know, this like shock blue hair and it had handcuffs and all this sort of thing. And my buddy was a straight up attempt at marketing a doll towards boys, but there was nothing that was, you know, with him specifically, nothing was being over enhanced. They didn't give him scars. They didn't give him a punching action. It was a doll and its intent originally was to teach boys about caring for their friends. So, you know, it was a very memorable toy from the eighties. And again, one of the most memorable commercials, I'd say it's up there. If you are thinking back on, you know, significant commercials and songs that my buddy's right up there. So the doll itself was a fairly large 21 inch um, tall doll that had the look of being around the age of a toddler. He had a few distinguishing features, including the red hat. He had brown hair. He was dressed in a long sleeve shirt and it had multicolored stripes of red, yellow, blue, and white. Another distinguishing feature were his trademark red overalls that had the My Buddy logo right on front uh, of it, p- 
patched right in, in case you forgot what you were playing with. My buddy also had blue shoes and white stripes, not the band, and they would vary between blue and brown eyes on him. He also had freckles, a butt nose, cor- no, no corncob pipe, wrong thing there. The whole thing was stuffed with fabric, so it was pretty resilient to rougher play as it was meant to be used as an active toy, not a sit-on-the-shelf type toy. My buddy was supposed to go everywhere you did, and that would mean he might take some abuse along the way, such as climbing a tree or being thrown from that tree probably. An interesting feature was the added smile on the doll to give it a pleasant demeanor as opposed to just a blank expression, which is usually on the face of a doll, you know, looking like it's about to come to life and kill you in the night, which actually will tie into this pretty well. So the question comes up, why my buddy was created and this might go back to the video game crash of 1983 and i've covered this a lot on the show i recommend going back and listen to the story of the et atari video game to get like that full scoop but a quick summary of the video game crash of 83 is when the whole industry pretty much came to a screeching halt atari had been ruling the roost for years but with a wide range of crappy games flooding the market especially the et game Quality was dropping and consumers were starting to take notice. So specifically, you know, E.T. is, you know, regarded as the worst video game of all time. I don't know if you can necessarily make that statement. And it's sometimes seen as the game that was responsible for bringing down Atari and then the whole industry. But it was kind of building to that point. So E.T., the Atari video game, came out in 83. So as bad as it was or not as bad it is bad it was basically the final nail in the coffin for video games an industry that was making two billion a year dropped down to just a hundred million seemingly overnight this may have paved the way for toys like my buddy toy companies such as mattel hasbro milton bradley Irwin, they wanted nothing to do with video games because they were crushed financially by them It would still be a few years before Nintendo swooped in and saved the industry, and that meant filling the market with non-video game-related new toys. It's funny to think of a time where toy companies and manufacturers and even distributors and the stores themselves didn't want anything to do with video games. It's so bizarre, but that's what was happening in the early 80s. So... With video games now not having a stranglehold on the toy market, there became more of an interest in traditional toys, such as dolls and stuffed animals. And it would bring us things like um, the pound puppies and, you know, alternatives to the former technologically advanced um, toys that were video games. And again, I think people wanted more of that return to like the tried and the true toys after being overwhelmed by all these electronics. And again, it was... If you look back, it was really the Cabbage Patch Kids that created all this as Coleco would have gone bankrupt if it wasn't for their huge success. So a return to more simple vintage things such as the dolls, teddy bears, trucks, everything like that was underway. The big difference now is that these companies were not just releasing a doll. They were releasing a Cabbage Patch Kid. They weren't just releasing a teddy bear. They were releasing My Pet Monster or Teddy Ruxpin. They knew to give these new toys specific names And not just that, a concept and a backstory. The one thing the toy companies learned from video games was the importance of concept, history, and backstory. Atari was really good at this because due to the very limited graphics, they had to create amazing packaging art and little comic books that told the story of what you were playing. You remember buying 
or getting these uh, Atari games and the image on the cartridge would look incredible. And then you knew you were just playing this simple like dot and square based video game, but they at least created the illusion you were playing something bigger. And again, they told the story of what you were playing. So you're a little more invested. It was interesting with Nintendo when they first came out, they didn't want to deceive anyone. So if you remember the original cartridges, the image on the cartridge was a very pixely type image similar to what you would be playing in the game. So, you know, it was sort of a what you see is what you get situation. So no one was led astray. So that was one big thing they did better than Atari. But again, it comes back to that idea of building the backstory, building the concept. So the toy companies after this video game crash are now taking this approach with simple things like dolls and bears. And that had never been done before. So it worked. Uh, Again, Pound Puppies is another example. It's not just uh, a plush stuffed dog. It's the Pound Puppies that you adopt. It comes in this little like crate carrying home thing. They have the adoption papers. It had its shots. You know, they built more of a connection to the toy. So it's working. Like I said, the sale of dolls in 1985 reached $3.36 billion, which was up 111% from 1983. And my buddy was a big reason for this. So this seems crazy, but there was the thought that making a doll for a boy was not a smart move by Hasbro. Not only that, the idea of teaching boys about caring for their friends was also seen as a controversial idea and not worth investing time and money into. So that's the 80s for you. Again, you know, like I said, when you look at the toys of the 80s, they're pretty violent. They're always usually based around battles and war. Again, those big four, Star Wars, G.I. Joe, Transformers, He-Man. Toys for boys in the 80s were all based on aggression, um, battle standpoint, violence, characters that can kill or defend their friends from being killed. But whatever, it worked too. Those four big properties are some of the best-selling toys in history. And it seems like if it's a not broke, don't fix it situation. And, you know, especially from a financial standpoint for toy manufacturers, because this is the 80s and there's so much stuff being released. So to make a dent, you have to kind of follow along with that and go with what's popular. So this ultimately was a very innovative idea to stray from the run of the mill toys that have been dominating the 80s by bringing out a character like my buddy. He doesn't have guns or grenades or a rocket launcher, or, you know, he's just a simple doll you play with. It makes sense from the point of a manufacturer who makes toys specifically for girls that, you know, you're missing out on 50% of the market. I think the Cabbage Patch Kids craze actually showed that there might be a market um, for boys, even though girls were the primary target, because boys got still got in the craze. I remember having one, not because they were a doll, but because they were the hottest toy of 1983 and 1984 you know at that point when everyone wants one i don't think boy or girl gives a crap what it is they just want what the hot toy is and i think that was the ultimate approach with my buddy create a big enough hype and kids specifically boys won't care that it's a doll they just want what they've seen on tv and that everyone else is asking for gi joe had already been released and obviously it was a hit transformers had not been out that long but were still popular and, you know, just starting their ascent as a monumental, monumental toy. He-Man was not quite out yet, so there was no promise that, you know, these toys were going to be the icons that they would. So, 
you know, it was kind of the exact right time. Like these things were all popular and huge. And again, would be, you know, some of the best selling toys of all time, but they were all kind of carving out their own niche. So putting out a doll for boys seemed like a promising idea. Hasbro recognized that not all parents, again, were on board with the violent based action figures and they wouldn't buy them if they ran counter to the way they were raising their children. So a good alternative exists in toys like my buddy or the pound puppies or Teddy Ruxpin or whatever. So my buddy was intended for boys five and under because it was seen that this is a quote, little boys have a soft side, just like little girls, unquote. And that was a statement by Steven Schwartz, who is senior vice president of marketing at Hasbro. Hi, I'm Daniel founder of pretty litter cats and cat owners deserve better than any old fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create pretty litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. They actually expanded and, and researched this concept before they went into full production of My Buddy. So they weren't just pulling this idea out of the thin air. This is what they were actually seeing. They would interview parents, specifically fathers, again, to ensure that they did not reject the idea of boys playing with dolls, which, again, is, is crazy that they would spend all that effort and money, but that was how things were then. So what helps next is... Like I said at the start, if you grew up in the 80s, there's no way you you don't remember that commercial and that theme song. And it was pretty instrumental in launching My Buddy and making it a hit. In a decade with such high-level top-end toy properties, Like it was very hard to stand out. A good commercial was not enough because you had to make it very memorable. The My Buddy commercial song was exactly that thing that would elevate it past just, you know, this idea of seeing kids playing with a, a doll and like it's fun and they're riding the big wheel and all that sort of thing. You want a song that sticks with people and you're remembering it after, which you'll probably be remembering the song after this episode's done. And again, it remains, a, you know, one of a handful of the most memorable commercial themes from the 1980s. It was the perfect combination of creating an identity for a toy and then allowing kids to picture themselves with that toy. It also, this song, made perfect use of referencing the doll's name throughout the song. So even a little kid would remember the name My Buddy when asking for a toy. They call these songs earworms, meaning they're the type that gets stuck in your head and are constantly playing. The brilliant move with this is the term My Buddy was used throughout it so often that it would be a key part of that earworm. This works because it was taking the place of most other toys in a kid's mind. So if it came to birthdays and Christmas, requests from my buddy would usually be at the top of the list, mainly because it was the one that a kid might think about due to it being played on repeat inside their head. 
But Hasbro still wasn't neglecting girls at this time uh, because My Buddy was such a huge hit and connecting with kids that Hasbro decided to put out Kid Sister, if you remember the My Buddy alternative. This might have been from jealous female siblings or Hasbro just wanted to see if they can increase their market share, but they released Kid Sister with, again, another catchy theme song. Along with this, Hasbro would amp up things with Kid Sister by putting out a lot of extra accessories, which usually work well in the case of, of girls, dolls, and whatever, because they would have, not that these wouldn't work with boys, but they would put out extra coloring books, regular books, paper doll books. So they knew really how to expand on that and just completely dominated the doll market. The things that they didn't think they could release with my buddy, they were able to do with Kid Sister. It was, you know, it was a time when they didn't want to isolate anyone when it came to profits. And it would be why, um, you know, say someone like She-Ra would be released directly at girls. When they were playing around with the idea of my buddy, again, the money is usually made in the accessories of dolls or toys or, you know, those things are usually marked up huge and, you know, creates a lot of extra income. But they didn't know if those they could put out accessories for my buddy, if like little boys would care about that. But then when they come across the idea of kid sister, that was the solution to that problem. Okay, so let's look into the whole Chucky Child's Play thing. And again, in case you didn't know, uh, the Child's Play movies, the first one came out in 1988 and was written and directed uh, by Tom Holland. The movie is it's quite simply the story of a mother who gives her son a doll that ends up being possessed by the soul of a serial killer. The movie was a pretty big hit opening at number one. It would gross around 44 million against a budget of just 9 million. So a pretty good return. And of course, child's play would end up spawning a bunch of sequels, that new reboot that just came out 2019 you know, Chucky's been going for a while. Nothing's really been stopping it. The cornerstone of the movie, of course, is the doll Chucky. And he actually has a full name. His full name is Charles Lee Ray, which is a combination of Charles Manson, Lee Harvey Oswald, and James Earl Ray. Now, if you're a fan of my buddy and you were of a certain age in the 80s, you would probably have thought or did that Chucky looked pretty similar to the commercial you were seeing for this doll or the thing you owned. Or actually, it looked extremely similar. There were different versions of my buddy that included blonde hair similar to Chucky. And this, you know, the idea of the connection between dolls and him seemed pretty obvious. And there was also the the movie producers and stuff saying that, you know, Chucky was maybe based on the Cabbage Patch Kids because they were a popular toy. And the idea of Chucky and Child's Play was actually a subtle message on commercialism and capitalism and how these things can overwhelm and um, Chucky's to symbolize them and the the attack on the public and all that sort of thing. But the idea of the different doll connections had been confirmed by one of the writers, Don Mancini, who said that the Cabbage Patch Kids served as the inspiration, again, from sort of a physical standpoint, but uh, from, uh, you know, an underlying theme and motif standpoint. But Tom Holland would later affirm that my buddy served as the inspiration for Chucky. And again, I don't know how you couldn't ever say Chucky isn't straight up 100% based on my buddy when you look at, you know, the overalls and the the striped shirt and the way the hair is and all that sort of thing. You know, just, just look at the comparison pictures. Here's some interesting facts about Child's Play. And just goes a little bit more into 
you know, the original intentions of the movie and, you know, because I'm me myself is obviously a little stupid kid growing up. You're not aware of those themes. It's just a straight up violent horror movie. Mancini said the basis of the original script was focused more on a whodunit scenario and that the overall story, you know, did get into those effects of advertising um, and television on children. That makes for more, I think, effective and interesting movie overall. If you ask me, if you look back on it, it's a little deeper than what it originally presented itself as. The final script would evolve more, but some of that theme is definitely still there. It's, you know, like that idea of how E.T. is based on the effect of divorce on kids as that Steven Spielberg grew up in a divorced home and he was trying to tell that story through E.T. And I think Child's Play could have been even more effective if it had pushed that idea even more so. But the problem is when you're a horror-based movie, you know, you're kind of restricted and you, you put yourself into that bubble. So it's hard to sort of stray from that idea compared to like E.T. where it's got a little wider range to be a little more dramatic and, you know, push those boundaries of theme and everything like that. So it, it's an interesting um, scenario that they they played in because the 80s were a time of, of deregulation when restrictions on advertising to children had been lifted and it, it resulted in this huge flood of new programming and commercials and toys and everything marketed towards children. All the research was already there saying how damaging it could be and you know how kids could not differentiate between ads and television and, and cartoons. It was all the same to them. So when Ronald Reagan first became president, he appointed a new head of the FCC who had lifted all these regulations. And that's why you see this avalanche of new toy properties uh you know gi joe transformers care bear strawberry shortcake everything it's and it's also why you see all these cartoons because they're basically being used as 22 minute commercials to launch new toys and then during those shows you would see the commercials for that very toy and with child's play it makes an interesting basis because in the late 80s there was another push to regulate all this onslaught of commercialism on children they, they had a new bill written up that was, again, to protect children against all this stuff. And it unanimous, unanimously um, passed in the, the Senate and almost completely in the House. And then Ronald Reagan would veto it as one of his last acts as president. Another interesting script development of Child's Play involved letting the movie develop into everyone thinking Andy, the little kid, was the actual killer and it wasn't going to be Chucky, which, again, would make for a pretty amazing movie too so here's um again sticking on child's play and having steven spielberg involved in this whole thing so the first child's play does pretty well and obviously leads to the inevitable sequel they're getting ready to make the second child's play and they find out that mgm and united united artists who made the first movie had been bought the new owner of the company said he didn't want to make horror movies anymore so that's a bit of a hit. Since Child's Play was a hit, a bunch of other studios started calling to try and take over the series. And Steven Spielberg would be one of those callers. Spielberg knew there was something promising in the Child's Play franchise. So he told them to put a, a wish list of what they wanted and he would bring it to Universal. They didn't think they would be able to make the movies the way they wanted and were going to have to sacrifice a lot of them in order to be signed by one of the five companies pursuing them. If it wasn't for Spielberg, they wouldn't have gone with Universal and have been able to continue the direction they wanted for the movies, which would lead to six sequels, a TV show, and again, that the new reboot that came out 
this year in 2019, basically all because of Steven Spielberg. Okay, so we'll start wrapping it up here. You probably didn't think a 21-inch doll in overalls could, uh, or the catchy theme song could be that interesting and lead to so much. So the thing with my buddy is it, it really is the story of making a change and going back to your roots when it comes to toys, not just for the kids, but for the toy companies themselves. It was about taking a risk and thinking outside the box by offering a doll to boys. It was easy to get buried in the mountain of gigantically popular 1980s toys, but my buddy became a success and established itself as a significant toy of the 80s, as did the Cabbage Patch Kids, as did Teddy Ruxpin and Pound Puppies. These were massive sellers. Um, again, also those traditional toys like toy trucks and Mattel and Matchbox, even Micro Machines were one of the biggest selling toys of the mid-80s because coming out of that death of the video game industry and the return to more traditional things. So Hasbro would discontinue the whole line in the start of the 1990s, but PlaySchool would take over the production. They would make changes to the doll itself and the clothing. And I don't know if you remember this, but the new iterations of my buddy and kid sister had clothes stitched right to them that couldn't be removable. That was seen as a very unpopular move as it did not allow for outfit changes and a huge oversight because then you couldn't sell the accessories and other outfits for the doll. So someone really screwed up on that one. This was all um, at, at the time was done. So they didn't have to make those separate outfits and they could make the doll all on one assembly line. So it was seen as a little more uh, production savvy move, but ended up really biting them. So that's the story of my buddy. I apologize if the theme song got stuck in your head for the rest of the day, but it's, you know, worth looking back on these toys that we sort of took at face value, but actually have a a lot deeper backstory and and history to them. So thanks for checking out the show. Again, if you haven't already subscribed, wherever you find your podcast, if you really like the show, leave it a rating and review. That way more people get to see it and I'll talk to you soon. All right. Bye.